0: First Samuel chapter 3, we have Samuel's call to the prophetic office, Eli's house cursed by God, and God reviving the public and prophetic ministry in Israel through Samuel. Here now the reading of God's inspired word, inerrant, preserved for us, and profitable for us, First Samuel 3. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, here am I. For thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. For thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down. And it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord. For thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile. And he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay down, lay until the morning, and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel my son and he answered here am I and he said what is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee I pray thee hide it not from me God do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee and Samuel told him every wit and he and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Here in verses 1 through 10 of this chapter, we have God revealing himself for the first time to Samuel as a prophet. You'll notice here that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. This is called the law of supply and demand. If you have demands for something and there's a short supply, what happens to the price for that thing? Well, it goes up. So it's precious, it's valuable, it's costly. Why? Because it's in short supply. People need the word of the Lord. Some even wanted the word of the Lord, but it was not there. There was no open vision, he says. The Vulgate translates this as manifesta not open and public not breaking forth as the word in hebrew means like a woman giving birth to a child the child is concealed and then eventually it breaks forth there was no visions that god gave the prophets the word of the god of god was not broken forth to them no open vision now this is in the middle of the night in exodus 27 verses 20 and 21 There was a burning lamp that would burn from the evening until the morning. That's what this is talking about. Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord. The sun has not risen. It's the middle of the night and God comes and speaks to Samuel. The Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. Now, it's very important to understand that Samuel thinks this is Eli speaking to him in the middle of the night, kids if mommy or daddy said get up and they called your name in the middle of the night what would you do or would you get up here am i i'm ready to do your will that's what that means samuel is an example for children of readiness to serve his authorities he is dutiful he is obedient he is quick and he is diligent notice he ran unto eli and said Here am I, for thou callest me. This is what we call alacrity, a willingness, a cheerfulness to obey, not so that you have to be dragged kicking and screaming, drag your feet to go where mommy and daddy say. No, this is a willingness to do what you're commanded. This is what God requires of us as his people, of children to their parents, wives to their husbands, citizens to their magistrates, congregants to their elders, A willingness to obey and so here Samuel is ready now it tells us in verse 7 that Samuel did not yet know the Lord neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him now this is what we call a parallelism where the Bible repeats in Hebrew for the sake of emphasis what it means that he did not know the Lord does not mean that he was outside of God's grace not converted didn't have a saving knowledge of god but he didn't recognize the prophetic manner in which god revealed himself that's why the second phrase is explanatory the word of the lord was not yet revealed unto him he didn't recognize the visions or the voice of god as god would speak or show to prophets now note there in verse 8 It says that the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Now, just ask yourself this. Would you think that you should get up the first time? Maybe not. How about the second time? Well, now two times have passed. This isn't worth getting up. I know what he's going to say. I did not call you. Right? Why should I get up? Does Samuel have that attitude? No. Samuel is hearing this call the third time he arose. He got out of bed again and went to Eli, whom he thinks is speaking to him. He perseveres in obedience to his authority, though most of us would probably lose heart around the first time or maybe the second, but would we go a third? And here he is. So Eli instructs Samuel, here are the words that you should say. Speak, Lord, Jehovah, my master, my savior. Speak. Why? For I am hearing. I'm listening. I'm going to hear what you have to say. This is the proper attitude that Eli instructs Samuel in toward God's word. Do you remember Cornelius, the Gentile, who had a vision while he was praying? And he sent to the apostle Peter, and Peter came, and when Peter got there, There were some words that Cornelius said. He said this, we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. You see that? What's his attitude? When he gathered to hear the word of God preached by Peter, it was God's presence that mattered. That's the first thing. We are all here gathered before God. Then he says, why? What is the purpose for which to hear for the purpose of hearing and not just to have our minds tickled with knowledge and information but those things commanded thee by God God gives authoritative words I want to hear them that is what Eli is instructing Samuel to say Lord you have revelations you have truth you have duties I'm hearing I'm ready to hear so speak to me now Let us pray likewise. Do we have prophetic visions, voices in the middle of the night speaking to us? No, we have something much better, Peter says. The word of prophecy confirmed by the Holy Ghost written in the oracles of God. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. You can pray this when you do your Bible reading. Speak to me, God. I'm listening to what you have to say. Let us be ready as in God's presence, for so we are to hear all things commanded by God, not merely for information, but for obedience. Notice there, God comes in verse 10 and stood. Some believe that this is the angel of the Lord. First, God spoke from the mercy seat afar off now god comes in some kind of visible manifestation or some kind of closeness perhaps the angel of god the lord himself jehovah the lord jesus christ before his incarnation stands right by him and he doesn't just say his name once he repeats it for emphasis and what does samuel say speak for thy servant heareth now it is possible that Samuel is a little timid. He does not say the word Lord. Speak, Lord, is what Eli said. He says, speak, for thy servant heareth. Nevertheless, though uncertain, though perhaps timid, it's the right posture. I'm listening to you, God. Speak to me. God then gives him a message. And Eli submits to that message in verses one, or excuse me, 11 through 18. I will do a thing In Israel, God says. Now, what about Hophni and Phinehas? Didn't they do something? Don't the people demand that the ark come out? Don't the Philistines play the men and crush them in battle? Yes, all these things. Other people do things. God says, I will do a thing in Israel. Why is that? Well, it's this. Though there are secondary causes, such as the Philistines, Hophni, Phinehas, Eli, Samuel, all these other actors. Who is the one behind all of that? Who's orchestrating all of those events? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever, as we'll consider this evening. God in his providence overrules all things, so God will do a thing None will move a hand without the almighty power and overruling providence of God. And this thing that God does, have you ever had your ears tingle? Have you ever felt a shiver go up your spine? Something so tremendous or scary? Something so startling that it affects your body? God says, that's what I'm going to do. Everyone who hears what I'm doing Everyone who sees that it strikes at once, they will lose their senses through amazement. This phrase is used in 2 Kings 21, 12 and Jeremiah nineteen three. God doing things people are amazed at. And when I begin, the Lord says in verse 12, I will also make an end. You can mark it down, God says. When you see the chain of events begin, you can be sure I will complete it. We'll see this also in the book of Revelation. Things that are and things that are to come, John will be instructed. God, when he begins, will most certainly complete it. And he says these things are near at hand. Why is that? Well, because the inception will be the ending. As surely as the beginning happens, so the finality will happen as well. God's going to ensure that. Why? Why this judgment, Lord? Verse 13, I told him, Eli that is, that I will judge his house forever forever. Why? Because his sons made themselves vile. And what did Eli do about it? Do you know? Do you know what Eli actually did to restrain his sons? Nothing. till it was too late. Then what did he do? Hey guys, you know you shouldn't do that, right? You know God's going to punish you. Okay, well, are they guilty of sacrilege? Yes. Are they guilty of corrupting the worship of God? Yes. Are they guilty of adultery? Yes. Well, what else do you need? Couldn't you take them to the magistrate to have them put to death? Couldn't you expunge them from the priest's office? Couldn't you cut them out from your inheritance? Couldn't you chastise them with a rod since they were little? Eli has done no such thing. It says that Eli restrained them not. This word means to make an ugly face at someone, to show them in your countenance that you do not approve. He didn't even do that. He didn't even show in his face that he disapproved of them. And that's a duty of superiors. Superiors have a duty toward those under their authority to let them know when they are displeased, even with their face. The Septuagint translates this word, nuthateo, to admonish To warn them. Jerome in his Vulgate gives the sense of censuring, reproaching, rebuking, or chastising them. The Hebrew word carries the idea of putting a damper on them, dimming the lights. They're out of control. You bring them down and reduce them down to submission. He did not do that. I note this doctrine that human authorities cannot change men's hearts. They say you can't legislate morality. Well, that's true. You can't make men's hearts change, which is morality, so that they do what is right. But you know what you can do? You can punish immorality. You can put a damper on the wickedness of men, or you can let it run wild. This is a rebuke to lawless or egalitarian parents. Oh, I want my child to be my friend. I want want them to be my equal. Is that what God wants? You know, that's contrary to the order of nature, right? If you have the power to create a thing, you have a right to govern that thing. So God says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Well, they're where you came from, of course. Under God, they are the source of your being. And so... Lawless, egalitarian parents say, I don't care about the order of authority. I want to train my children to be atheists, as if there's no one above them, as if everybody's on the same plane, as if Jesus was their buddy. Permissive, weak, false pretenses at love and friendship between superiors and inferiors, no restraint upon evil that's why God judges the house of Eli he was a modern parent he was liberated from those old ideas let all in authority then be wise and judicious are we only to correct those under our authorities no God requires that we praise them when they do what is well that we encourage what is good as well as punish what is evil but if we only do one To the neglect of the other, we're not pleasing God as authorities, are we? We must encourage the good and discourage the evil. Let us not be too lenient, as Eli was, nor too excessive in correction. Verse 14, God says, the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Ouch! Ouch! This is not saying that Eli is an unbeliever and is not saved. I think there's plenty of evidence in this chapter that Eli is a saved man. He's not sanctified. He's not growing in grace. He hasn't learned his duty. He hasn't been taught his lessons universally. But at least he knows to submit to God's providence. He knows what to say when God speaks. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. He knows how to instruct at least Samuel, if not his own sons, But this means God's not going to make peace with your house for the privileged position of priesthood. No, that's it. Your privilege is done, he says. That's it. You can offer a burnt offering. You can offer a sacrifice. You can wave bread. I'm not receiving any of it, Eli. You have forfeited the privilege of the priesthood in perpetuity forever. Samuel awakes have you ever been awakened four times through the night well, could you get up and open the doors of the Lord's house Samuel's a rebuke to us all is he not and you know I got this revelation in the middle of the night God talked to me I'm not going to open the doors you know I've got more important things to do here you see is that, is that Samuel's attitude no out of bed gets the doors open who opens the doors the slaves do go open the doors slave servant the westminster annotations concerning verse 15 say this showeth samuel's great modesty and humility and that his spirit was not raised by the former vision wherein god had appeared and spoken to him conferring upon him the singular gift of prophecy But he was still diligent in executing of his office, though but mean, of opening and shutting the doors of the sanctuary. Brothers and sisters, beloved people of God, whatever gifts or privilege God may confer upon us, let it not go to our heads. Let us be humble before the Lord. Let us obey his calling for us, rather than lording it over others. (laughs) Ha ha, look at me. And you know... With Eli, he could do that very easily, couldn't he? What did he know about Eli? You're going down. I'm going up. I'm the prophet and priest here. I'm going to judge Israel. What's going to happen to you? Your kids are going to be wiped out in one day. When God starts it, it's as good as done. No, that is not the attitude that Samuel takes. In fact, verse 15 informs us Samuel was afraid to show Eli the vision. He didn't want to tell him. Samuel loved Eli. He respected him. Do you want to tell someone that you love and respect? Hey, you're toast. Your family's over. It's as good as done. No, he does not want to tell him these things. Eli then calls for Samuel. And Samuel responds in obedience. Verse 16, he doesn't run away just because he's afraid. Kids, he's obedient in the face of fear i pray thee hide it not from me now eli has been instructed generally speaking of the doom against his house we saw this in chapter 2. so eli has some inkling that okay god's revealing something more to samuel i need to know what this is what is it that god has said don't hide it from me Let us desire to know what God says in his word. Come what may. What's the the portent of these words? Why does he have to adjure this boy to tell him what God said? Because he knows it's bad news. He knows he doesn't want to tell him. He knows it's not in favor to his house, but he still wants to know. This is why I think very clearly Eli is a believer. Do you know what reprobates want to hear from the word of God? You are awesome. You're great. You're going to be rich. You're going to be healthy. Everything's going to be fine. No troubles at all. That's what they want to hear. What does Eli want? The truth. Tell me the truth. Don't hide it from me. God curse you if you don't tell me everything the Lord said. That's what he says. This is what Eli's attitude is. Do we wish that Scripture said certain things? Does it kind of hurt to hear what the Bible actually says? Don't we wish those harsh corners could be just softened a little bit? No. I pray thee, hide it not from me. You know our sin can hide what the Scriptures actually say from us, right? You know, it can blind our eyes because I want this, God says that. Let me just, well, he didn't really mean that. It's more like this. It's more like I wish it were God in my image. Let me recreate him. This is not the way that Eli approaches this matter in the least. Eli wants to know the will of God so that he can do The will of God. God, do so to thee, Samuel, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. You are cursed, Samuel, if you do not show me the truth. I don't want to be coddled. I want to know the truth, Eli says. And Samuel, to his credit, what did he do? even though he didn't want to. He told him every wit, every last particle of the discourse, every single thing God said, he discloses it. No partial truth. He hid nothing from him. This is, again, the Hebrew way. First you say it positive. He told him every wit. Then you say it negative. He didn't hide one thing from him. It's for emphasis. Absolutely everything was disclosed. Children and adults, do you tell partial truth? Oh, let me just say, well, this is true. Let me just tell them this part of the truth, because this other part's going to hurt me. It's going to make me look bad. So rather than tell the whole truth about this matter, the, the important things, I'm just going to kind of manage my image here, and I'll just say the parts that I think they want to hear. Yeah, that'll that'll be good. Won't it? No, that's lying. In fact, God condemns it. Well, let me just conceal the things that will make it harder for me to get what I want. Let me phrase things in such a way as I might be advantaged. Or do we phrase things as honestly as possible to convey the entire picture? You see, what Samuel does is he gives the whole picture. He doesn't say, well, I think there's some bad stuff that might happen to your family, but, you know, I love you guys and I want you to be encouraged. I want to be positive and uplifting. Is is that what he did? just bend it a little bit so it doesn't hurt so much do you lie to yourself so that you can lie to others tell yourself lies you know you can do that right you can deceive yourself because you know that the truth is against you you know the facts are not in your favor so what do we do well you know I didn't mean that because you know what you should have meant, but you didn't. So let me tell them what I should have meant, or what I should have said, or what I should have done. That's called lying. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue, how long do you think it lasts? But for a moment. It is vain. These are works of darkness. When we conceal the truth. This is why he curses him, by the way. God, do so to thee and more also, Samuel, if you don't tell me everything. Sometimes parents feel like they should say this to their children. God, do so to thee and more also if you don't tell me every wit. Stop hiding it from me. I know, in fact, parents sometimes have a suspicion by the way that you behave. They know you're lying. They can tell you're lying. Why are you trying to cover it? Just tell the truth. That's what Samuel does. And notice Eli's godly response, verse 18. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. God was the author of this truth. He was the source and cause of it. He gave it to his servant Samuel Let us learn to hear the word of God in this way. Let us be willing to submit to the truth of God, though to our own hurt, though it curses, though it denounces, let us say with Micah, hear ye the rod and who hath appointed it. The rod teaches a lesson when God comes to correct and to spank us. Why is that? Well, he loves us that we may be partakers of his holiness. So if we deafen our ear to the rod, what are we saying? Well, I don't wanna be part of your testament. I don't wanna be part of your household. I don't wanna be one of your children. I want to be a child of whom? The devil, those are your options, right? You're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Hear ye the rod and who hath appointed it? It is the Lord, let him do what seemeth him good Let him be true and every man a liar. Verses 19 through 21, we have the establishment of Samuel to be a prophet in Israel. Have you ever spilled a drink, kids, onto the floor? Maybe you were outside on the beach or in the dirt and you spilled something. What good is that spilled water or drink? Might have been a drink you really like and you spilled it. What good is it? You're going to drink it in the mud? You're going to drink it off the floor from the sand? Of course not. God let none of the words of Samuel fall to the ground and become useless. Every single one had its effect. all the preaching of Samuel, all the doctrines of Samuel, all the prophecy of, De- of Samuel, that all came to pass. God was present with Samuel. God was with him. and because of this, his declarations were effective. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew one thing for sure, that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. Now this word, established, is where we get our word, amen. That is the Hebrew word, so let it be, it is firm. It also means to believe, to put your confidence and say, so let this be, amen. He was an amen prophet. Moses is said in the same word in Hebrew to have been faithful in all the house of God, Numbers 12, 7. When God said he would raise up a faithful priest when Eli was doomed in 1 Samuel 2, 35, it's the same word. David, according to Ahimelech, the priest is said to have been the most faithful servant of Saul, 1 Samuel twenty two fourteen. 14. Psalm 89, 38 tells us the moon is a faithful witness. Does it ever go away? Waxes, it wanes. Do you ever see it disappear? You have a lunar eclipse occasionally, but it's still there. It's a faithful witness of all the seasons, of all the months. It tells you Samuel was as faithful as Moses a witness who spoke the truth, whose words did not get obscured by the wisdom of men, by the doctrines and commandments of men. No, Samuel was an amen prophet, a faithful prophet in all of God's house. And so the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. That means he had been gone for a while. He wasn't there for a while. He wasn't talking to them anymore. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh. How? In visions? No, not anymore. In the word of the Lord. God spoke doctrines and truths directly to him, gave him authoritative commands to issue to the people by verbal revelations. And thus far, 1 Samuel chapter 3.